Hello, 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 and welcome to All In Motion Podcast. I am your host, Jake Harrison, and thank you for taking the time and tune in and listen to us. So let's just get right into it. What does All In Motion mean? All In Motion means to me is we all, as a human race, not just in the United States, but outside, we are always trying to get to that next level. Now, what does that mean? We're trying to better ourselves. We're trying to make it. So we're going to cover a couple of topics. 30, 40% of our podcast is going to be focused on mental health within the military and the civilian sector. We're going to look, focus on short-term, long-term goals. We're going to look at, you know, basically if you're trying to start a business, trying to start a garden, children, family, and then we're going to Take the next 30 minutes at a high-level overview to take a look at my story and what I've been through. And so that is the first episode. And I feel it has been time to tell my story because I've spoken to so many people who have experienced some of the same successes and failures that I have and mental health, mental health issues. I was born in 1984, grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Moved out of downtown Williamsport when I was four years old with my mother and my sister. Father was not there because it was a mental health issue, right? So after, you know, living there and that didn't work out, unfortunately, you know, he passed away. We moved out of Williamsport into the, the country outside, 10, 15 minutes outside, right? From there, I grew up and I remember, uh, you know, meeting kids I was four years old, right? So I met my, excuse my slang, my homie, <laughs> my homie down the street, my childhood friend. We all had big wheels. And so uh, the other neighbor, and I don't like to admit this, but I ran her off the road with my big wheel and it was bad. Not bad that she got hurt, but I was, <sighs> I was a problem starter. I remember in grade school, I was in elementary school and I got sent to the principal's office. He looked at me and he said, Jacob, he pulled out this paddle. He said, keep it up. And I thought to myself, I said, if anyone is going to, you know, discipline me, it's going to be my mother because my mother already took care of that. I don't need someone else that I don't even know trying to discipline me. I was like, that's really weird. So, you know, moving forward, I know I jumped back, but, you know, moving forward, though, uh, after all that happened, I actually, you know, after school and everything like that, had a bar mitzvah, moved forward, and went to uh, high school. And I played soccer. I played, as they say, outside of the States, football. I played for about 14, I don't know, about nine years, excuse me, nine years. And then from there, you know, I started dealing with some people that were not, you know, people that you want to associate with your children, right? So I started involving myself with people that were not doing the right thing. And those decisions led to uh, me getting uh, sent away to boarding school, right? So mother reached out to, and before I get into that, just really quickly, before I get into getting sent to boarding school and program, um, when I grew up, the disciplinary was either two choices when I got into trouble. It was either the paddle or it was the belt. So I just want to make that really clear because today that, you know, very rarely happens or child services are called or something in that nature. Okay. So 
going back to what I said about, uh, uh, you know, being involved with bad people after that, uh, mother made a decision, like I said, about my aunt. She, she called my aunt. She found a uh, boarding school in South Carolina. And then from there, I went to Carolina Springs Academy. And that's a program that at that time was associated with WASP, Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs. And from there, it was a very, people came in my bedroom, two gentlemen, Mr. Billy and Mr. Sean, they came in there and uh, they took me out of my bed, took my shoelaces out, put me on a plane and they flew me to Atlanta. I landed in Atlanta, from Atlanta, I was put in a truck. From that truck, I was driven to Carolina Springs Academy and I got there and I said, what's going on? And then one of the kids said, you're in a program. You're in boarding school. You're not going anywhere. And I broke down in tears. That was crazy for me. So my PTSD, what we'll get to it here in a minute, doesn't stem necessarily from what I will be speaking about the military. It stemmed earlier on in life. Being able to understand what happened there in that program and then all the seminars that we went through was very, very deep. They really do their best to bring it out of you. Like, seriously, it was crazy. I remember this, this dude from Brooklyn, and he came through. His life in Brooklyn, most people in the world couldn't even understand. But for some reason, him and I got along very well. He did what he had to do. And I remember him going through, he was at seminar ahead of me. I was in Discovery, he was in Focus Seminar. I ran away from that program, actually. When I ran away, it was crazy. It was in the beginning. And, you know, I actually you know, made a choice. I said, I'm going to run. So I ran with some guys. We ran away. We laid down and we waited. Ants were crawling all over my body. You know, flies. State police were there with dogs. They couldn't find us, though. So we made it through. And I would gave up to just gave up because I didn't want to continue this. This is crazy. So I gave up, called my mom. They let, actually, it was crazy. They let me call my mom, but I called her and I talked to her. And you know what I said? I said, you know what? I said, you know what? I'm just going to work the program. I'm going to work it. So I worked it. I worked seminars. I did them. I went to school, worked it out. And then I finally graduated at the uh, parent-child seminar too out in San Diego, California, and graduated. From there, I, I obviously came back home. Mother and I went to different groups that were associated with the program, family members, because they have outside groups after you graduate from this particular program. And it, we we went uh, and it was it, it, it helped a little bit. But, you know, whatever. I, I just I, it's just different, you know. And so I tried to I tried to do my best. And what happened was after all of that happened. That was straight. I graduated high school. I went to a different high school and I got back home. And then from there, my childhood friend, he, um, my homie, he asked, asked me, he's like, look, you know, there's this, do you think about the military? I said, uh, I don't know. He said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. So he said, why don't you take a look? So I took a look. And so anyway, I joined the Army National Guard out of Pennsylvania and Basically, into that, I made a decision. I said, yeah, support my country. And then obviously, you know, I want to get my, my college paid for it. And that's what I did. I did that. And so 
that took a turn. We, my friend and I moved to Philadelphia, and he was living in South Philly at the time, and I was living in uh, City Line Avenue, and we, we were ready to go to college and, and uh, community college in Philadelphia. But, what, what? We, we were working out of uh, Finish Line in the Shemini Mall. So everything was tracking. Excuse me. We say the word tracking in the military means, or in the Army at least, I know. It means like you understand. We're tracking. We're, all, we're dead on point. We're on target. We're moving. And we're tracking. We understand exactly what's happening. Understand what exactly everybody is saying. So we're working there and everything. And all of a sudden we get a call. I get a call on a cell phone. It was a flip phone back in the day, if you remember. <laughs> and uh, it was first sergeant. And so first sergeant said, you guys are going to Iraq. Okay, so we're getting ready for Iraq. We go. I, we were shocked at this moment. I, I couldn't realize it. I said, oh, my goodness, we're going to Iraq. So you leave, obviously. We tell the school. We tell you know, my uncle at the time, that's who I was living with. We say we're leaving, so... Go back home, get ready to mow, get ready to leave to go to training in, uh, in Fort Dix uh, in New Jersey. And we trained. It was, a, it was snowing, I remember. It was, I'm not going to get into it, but it was a lot of snow. And uh, we deploy uh, from the base at that time, Air Force Base McGuire, Air Force McGuire, and we fly out. So we fly out. Not to get into too much details, fly out to Iraq, we land there, bam, 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 boom, climatize. Excuse me, I apologize. We landed Kuwait first because we have to climatize. So we landed in Kuwait, stayed there for about three weeks, climatized to the weather. And then from there, we deployed uh, to Iraq. And so our main mission was to basically do convoy security. We weren't really necessarily at that in that particular mission we weren't really necessarily watching or guarding someone we were just basically doing uh, present patrol showing a uh, sign of force but nothing you know nothing like to to mistake anything but from that basically we got a call and that changed immediately they're saying we got a call from hire we called hire i mean like obviously a, somewhat of a general so we're going to Fallujah in 2004. This is about April, March time period. And so in Fallujah at that time, there was a lot of Al-Qaeda. And so we worked directly with the 1st Marine Division, which are Marines, and basically we stayed with them at Camp Fallujah. And every night the lights were out. So we did 12-hour rotations seven days a week. So when we were trying to sleep, they were firing and the rounds would hit, like it's like a aluminum siding. So you hear the rounds smacking the building. And I'd really, at this point, I really don't care, but I'm just trying to sleep. So like you, you sleep through that stuff. That's how that kind of works. Uh, you know, and then, you know, talking about the whole Middle East and Iraq and Afghanistan, or excuse me, not Afghanistan, but you know, Kuwait and Iraq, you know, this, you have the sandstorms, right? So imagine standing outside when, you know, when all this is going on and you have to, you have to have goggles on. I mean, you really do, because if you don't, well, you're not going to be able to see anything and you're going to get hurt. Your eyes, your sand is getting in your eyes. So it's really, it's a really, it, Anybody that served in the U.S. military and any type of forward operating base or any type of, uh, you know, any type of base that's a, 
type of uh, out in the middle of nowhere, especially in terms of conditions, understands that when you when you get out there, it's it's fight or flight. That's basically what it is. And so after that mission, we moved to Baghdad. Fallujah was wild. It was really wild. After Fallujah, we moved to Baghdad. We did a security detail with uh, special teams uh, throughout the military to uh, do a special mission. From there, I came back home, came back home, went to college for a few months. It didn't work out that well. So I decided that I wanted to go back to Iraq with my unit that was training at the time I was in Iraq prior. So I uh, went down to Camp Shelby, Mississippi, trained up and then redeployed, uh, you know, back to Iraq. Uh, when I got over there, for some reason, I was a tank driver for a little bit because I wasn't with my unit. But I figured I knowing who I am, I'm like, no, I'm just not going down. So I decided after being on going there, I finally found my unit and, you know, that was cool. And so uh, that all worked out. And so, you know, we deployed. I was only there for five or six months, the second deployment. Came back home in June, I believe, June or July time period. It's been, this is 2005, so it's been a it's been a, it's been a little bit of time. So I have to really, really think about it. So from there, I had some money and I decided that I wanted to try to start a business. So I did start a business and it was a seafood business. From there... I met someone that was going to partner up with me. His dad did uh, distribution of seafood down in Mississippi and Alabama and connections. I had some money. So I was like, yeah, man, because I, I, I wanted to start my own thing and try it. And I said, I know about New Orleans. I never, you know, I've been around there before, but I never, you know, they're known for the Cajun, right? I mean, it's amazing. They're, they're cooking. So this is before the BP oil spill. And we would we had obviously we had a distributor and we would go down there. And before all this happened, you have to we had a walk-in freezer with an ADT security system to monitor, obviously to give us a call if the temperature dropped to a certain point, because that's our livelihood, right? I mean, if that seafood goes and fish goes bad, that's we're done. You know, that I mean like we're talking about 15, 20, 25,000 pounds of seafood and fish. At one given time, not a lot to compare to a big, big, big distribution center, obviously, but we did it. We went down there. The thing that really hurt us, I believe, we had two trucks at one time and we were running uh, back and forth. But what's interesting, though, is I had no experience in business at this point. I took a risk and there was no Facebook, no Instagram, no LinkedIn. No Snapchat, no, uh, you know, any other uh, social media outlet. And there's a lot of TikTok. And there's, there's many, many, many out there. I didn't have that opportunity when I was 22 years old in 2007, right? So what did I do? I called the radio stations and I asked them, we have to pay, but I have them do radio ads. I have them come down and do a grand opening, you know, and there's about 50, there's about 150 people that turned out. And I was very excited about that. I really was because for the first time in a long time, I just, it was, it was crazy. You know, my grew up, my, my grandfather and my great uncles, they had a right down the street from that, uh, that establishment or where I had that business, they had a meat packing plant and they went through some hard times and they, but but this whole podcast is about one main 
thing. Even though I didn't get into my topics here in my pyramid, it it remains to be all about resiliency. Who can jump back from being at the bottom and coming back up? That takes a lot. And I'm that person that has been through that. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that I know personally that haven't been that strong. And unfortunately, they're not here right now. And this is not about being depressing or placing blame or anything like that. I value life a lot, but I have pushed myself to some extreme limits. And that could be, you know, all the different things going Iraq, Afghanistan, starting a business. So after the business, I went to Afghanistan. And before I went to Afghanistan, I was stopped because I was facing some drunk driving charges. And they were trying to prosecute me, but I I basically volunteered prior to that to go to Afghanistan. So the commander told me at the time, he did not want me to go over there. But I said, sir, I said, listen, I got experience in combat in Iraq. Like, I mean, I'm an asset, but trained at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, trained there, did our mob there for about two to three months. From there, after we trained and mobbed, we flew out and we went to, uh, you know, we stayed in Kyrgyzstan, basically before we flew in, uh, to Bagram. Our base was out of Bagram, Afghanistan, and that's where we were at. Uh, and then our fire base was outside of there. And so basically, when we landed in Bagram, the mission changed. Our mission was to support certain Navy and Air Force uh, units as a PSD, personal security detail, to support them and provide security for them. And that was it. But as soon as we landed in Bagram, that mission has changed. That mission has changed because a first sergeant from the 82nd Airborne Division out of uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, came up and told that lieutenant colonel that, sir, I'm sorry to tell you this. These guys aren't going. They're not going to be your PSD uh, detail anymore. They're going to Tagab Valley, Capisa Province. And that's where we went. We went to Tagab Valley, Capisa Province. And from there, that's a whole nother topic and a whole nother podcast because I have a, friends that I'm going to interview and people in the military that will talk about that. But from that being said, I did that. I met a good friend. We were we did our mission. We were in Afghanistan. And while we were out there, I had a good friend tell me about the fact that, you know, you got to go to school. That's what you joined for. I mean, six years already. So I re-enlisted. Uh, I re-enlisted in Afghanistan for another six years. And I uh, enrolled in a school called Bloomsburg University. It's like central Pennsylvania. I enrolled there. Went there and basically did really well. Graduated. I uh, loved it. It was uh, better than any school I've been. I, I just think that my passion because of overseas, I was like, you know what? When you're driven that hard, you're pushing yourself. I did want to support all power for, you know, from my country. But, you know, coming back, it was really interesting. I was like, you know, I'm going to knock this out. So I knocked it out. I got a bachelor of science, a business administration, a major in marketing, and a minor in management. And at that time, during that period, I met a, I met my good friend introduced me to uh, like my best friend basically today. And it was all him and his wife. They always look out for me. They're always there. And they 
uh, well, excuse me, at that time, he basically invited me to come down to Washington, D.C. my last year before graduating my, uh, from, from my undergrad. So I went down there and graduated, or excuse me, we went down there and I met uh, a friend and it all worked out and I came back home and, uh, you know, I graduated and he called me and said, we have an opportunity if you want to come move down, down to D.C., and it worked out. And uh, from there, I worked at, you know, different companies and different contracts. I finally bought my own place. And, uh, and it was just a great experience. It really was. It really was. It was a, definitely a transition. But I met some very amazing people. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. And then so I'm going to transition in now over the last couple of minutes to the podcast and what that's about. So basically... We have, I created a pyramid, and it's about mainly three important things. So on the bottom, and this is identifies, with, this is what our podcast is about. On the bottom, you have, you have trauma, PTSD. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, has definitely been very, uh, you know, it came out in 1980. It basically, uh, we had shell shock in the Vietnam and World War II. So basically, that's kind of like the, the uh, you know, what they use now in the military. But PTSD doesn't just affect, uh, excuse me, military. It affects civilians as well. Trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder. Trauma happens usually to most people when they are very young. And they don't deal with it. And we move on. So I identified here, my trauma happened when I was young. Boarding school, my mother, things of that nature. So in the mil- when I got in the military, I was already, you know, already had PTSD. I think it's important to understand that people don't want to, you know, identify. That's fine, but it's really, really, really important, and you need to take a look at it. So the second level we have growth, and the pyramid. I apologize. Is called to life. This is called the life pyramid. That's the name of the pyramid. So the second up from trauma is growth. Growth being working out, seeing a therapist, you know, accepting, looking at the past, not as a negative, but looking at the past as a tool, right? The past is a tool. And a lot of people don't look at it like that because they always are on this thing like, oh, you know, the past is so negative and this and that. But if you look at it in the right context, it's it's a tool. Looking at it like... I learned from this. This happened to me, and I'll never do it again. That's basically it. And then from there, we have entrepreneurship. So you look at the steps, right? You have trauma, growth, entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is bottom line. In my opinion, it's freedom. It's being able to step outside yourself and be someone different and take risks. That's, that's entrepreneurship, freedom and risk. And that's basically the motto we're going to follow on this, on this podcast. And the people that come on it, some of them maybe not had, you know, everyone's different. We have a very unique audience, very unique guests that are coming on. So I cannot wait to interview them. And it's going to be very exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. So um, I'm just going to recap a little bit before we, we close out here. So basically, we covered PTSD. Uh, we covered, uh, you know, looking at the podcast. We covered uh, definitely my childhood growing up. 
mental health, how serious it really is. I mean, mental health is very serious. And, you know, both military and civilian, we need to take a deeper dive and look at it. And and um, check me out. I'm definitely on uh, both Instagram, Facebook, and uh, hopefully soon we'll be starting a YouTube channel. But I really do appreciate your time.